Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Employment Law Year in Review Regional Roundtable Series, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Gato Arts, partner with Lydian in Belgium. Each year, we kick off our program with a special series of Year in Review programs, broken down by region and focusing on the most impactful regulations of the past year as well as forecasting on important topics that will impact employers in the coming year. Today, joining us, we have our ELA member representing Ireland. Joining us on the program is Nolene Meehan, partner at ANL Goodbody. Welcome, Nolene. It's very fantastic to have you on this podcast, the very first for me this year. Hi, Cato, and thank you indeed for having me on the ELA Year in Review Roundtable. I'm delighted to join you today to share my insights on some of the key employment law developments in Ireland in the last 12 months and indeed what we can expect to see in the year ahead. Fantastic. Let's get started. What were the most significant legal changes in 2023 that impacted employers? Well, there were certainly no shortage of developments on the employment law front in Ireland in 2023. And during the course of last year, we saw the development of several workplace leave entitlements, including the introduction of domestic violence leave in Ireland for the first time. And there are a number of new statutory employment provisions set to become effective as well in 2024. So we're expecting 2024 to be yet another busy year for employment lawyers in Ireland. But maybe just starting with looking back and in particular with the workplace leave entitlements that we saw come into force last year. So I mentioned domestic abuse leave. This was a more recent introduction in November 2023 when domestic violence leave provisions were commenced under Irish law. And what that does is it gives employees a right to take up to five days paid domestic violence per year. And the purpose of that leave is to enable the employee to, for example, seek medical attention or legal assistance to look for uh, counselling or other victim services or even to relocate. While advance notice of taking the leave is preferable in certain circumstances, it's accepted that this may not be possible. And in such cases, employees are required to as soon as reasonably practical, send a notice to their employer confirming that they are taking or have indeed taken this leave and specifying the relevant dates. So in order to implement domestic leave violence effectively, we're strongly recommending to our clients that they embed the measure within a wider organisational response to domestic abuse and outlining the leave requirements and entitlements in a workplace domestic violence policy. So those types of instructions are starting to come through and we're working with many of our clients to put in place domestic uh, violence leave policies. We also saw during the course of 2023 some welcome extension to breastfeeding breaks for new mothers in Ireland. This saw the period in which new mothers are entitled to pay time off work to breastfeed increase significantly from six months to two years. So we're probably a little bit behind a number of our European counterparts on that front. So that is definitely a a much welcome development for new moms. Another form of leave that we saw introduced was in relation to medical care, leave for medical care purposes. So this entitles all employees to five days of unpaid leave per year where, for serious medical reasons, the employee needs to provide personal care or support to a family member or a person they live with who is in need of significant care or support for a serious medical reason. So this leave can't be taken in periods of less than a day 
and employees must, as soon as it's reasonably practicable, confirm to their employer in writing that they have taken or intend to take this leave and various other details such as the commencement and duration, etc. of the leave. And again, there's no minimum service requirement for this new period of leave. So employers, if they haven't done so already, need to ensure that their workplace policies are up to date to comply with this and the other leave changes that have come into effect in 2023. And finally, just on the workplace leave point, because there's been a, a lot of new introductions in this area, statutory sick pay, which was a new scheme introduced in Ireland with effect from the 1st of January. This also brings Ireland in line with most other European countries that have a sort of statutory sick pay scheme in place. And from 1 January 2023, employees had an entitlement once they had 13 weeks service to be paid for statutory sick pay for up to three days in 2023. This period is increasing to five days from the 1st of January 2024 and will increase then incrementally up to seven days in 2025 and eventually up to 10 days in 2026. So the rate of statutory sick pay is up to 70% of an employee's normal weekly pay capped at €110 per day. And it's just to be aware that this is a sort of minimum legal entitlement and there is no issue with employers having a more generous sick pay scheme than that. And indeed, in Ireland, many of them do. So maybe we'll leave workplace entitlements there and mention a couple of other quite significant developments in 2023 that kept employment lawyers busy in Ireland. The first is whistleblowing. And indeed, I think a number of our counterparts and colleagues across Europe were busy advising clients on implementing the EU whistleblowing directive across 2023. So in Ireland, we were no different. We had an existing whistleblowing legislation and our amended and updated Protective Disclosures Act came into force on the 1st of January 2023, which fully implemented the EU whistleblowing directive I mentioned and really increased and expanded the scope of Ireland's existing whistleblowers framework. So at first, in-scope employers, which included those in the public sector and the private sector with 250 or more employees and other employers with less than the 250 threshold that fell within the scope of certain EU laws, such as in financial services. So all of those employers were initially impacted by the whistleblowing legislation. From December 2023, just a couple of weeks ago, that threshold actually fell to employers with more than 50 employees, bringing a number of employers within the net of whistleblowing legislation in Ireland, meaning really that many employers, many smaller employers, are considering these new obligations for the first time now in 2024. And these obligations include that in-scope employers must have formal reporting channels and investigation procedures for workers that make protected disclosures. And those investigation procedures are much more prescriptive and onerous than the previous market standard in Ireland. To address this, we saw many of our clients in 2023 undertaking comprehensive reviews of their existing policies and procedures to ensure compliance with the new regime. Just important as well to bear in mind for any new in-scope companies is that uh, companies which are a part of a group structure must each have its own internal reporting channel and procedure. So it's not sufficient to rely solely on a centralised reporting channel to comply with the requirements of the Irish legislation. In practice, what we're seeing here is many employers retain their centralised group reporting channels, but also then introducing local reporting channels and investigation procedures for each legal entity. 
And then very finally, this is something that is probably a little more particular to Ireland. 2023 saw the introduction of quite a significant regime, an individual accountability framework for regulated financial services clients in Ireland. So legislation was signed into law in March 2023, but then there was a period of consultation over a few months with regulated financial services providers. And then at the later end of 2023, the central bank published its final guidance on the individual accountability framework. And this really provided a couple of different things for regulated firms. So the introduction of a senior executive accountability regime, quite similar to the senior manager certification regime in the UK, the SMCR, which really will require firms to review and overhaul their senior management arrangements and their governance and HR processes. This new regime will provide firms with an opportunity to take stock of these frameworks and really to improve the clarity, understanding and operation of committees and individual roles and responsibilities within their organisation. So SEER applies from the 1st of July this year, but what is currently in effect from the end of December is a set of conduct standards that apply to all people in controlled functions, basically performing a regulated role that will hold them to specific standards of conduct and will result in enforceable breaches of financial services legislation for those who fail to comply. So the individual accountability framework will also interact with existing regimes for regulated firms such as fitness and probity regime. It really will. They're all about enhancing the regulator's ability to hold individuals to account when regulatory contraventions occur in the business area for which they're responsible. So they really are just some of the quite major changes that many of our employment and HR teams in Ireland have been getting to grips with over the course of 2023. Thank you, Nolene. Looks like 2023 was indeed a busy year. And some of those points you mentioned are very similar for Belgium. Extended leave for employees. So that speaks to the need for more flexibility and some work-life balance, I would say. And then, of course, whistleblowing is also a topic that was very relevant for us. But it's very interesting to learn more about the IAF, particularly for Ireland. Have there been any leadership or government changes that have impacted on your jurisdiction or are you anticipating any in 2024? Well, in short, no. We've had a coalition government in place in Ireland since June 2020, quite a sort of a stable government political situation in Ireland with two sort of main parties being the centrist parties plus the Green Party making up that coalition. The next general election is due to take place in around, I think, maybe this time next year, March 2025. And our head of government, our our Taoiseach, as he's known here, recently expressed the view that there will be no plans to hold an election in 2024. So it seems that it won't be until next year that we see any significant changes potentially in government or leadership. Maybe just worth pointing out that under the tenure of the current government, we have really seen a spike in employment legislation and the introduction of many new workers' rights, such as a lot of them that I've just talked about. Some of them come from EU law, as you've just mentioned, um, Cato. Others, though, are very much kind of Irish legislative developments around things like statutory sick pay and the development of a WRC code of practice on things like the right to disconnect. So in keeping with that momentum, definitely last year, we saw an introduction of a number of different leave entitlements to assist employees achieve work-life balance. And again, we expect to see any more of those come through in 2024 and beyond. Just to give you a flavour of a couple of things the government have really set out to do as part of their legislative agenda. They're talking about the introduction of a new national living wage. So that is moving away from 
the national minimum wage to what would be deemed a, a living wage in Ireland. And so that'll replace, as I say, the national minimum wage by 2026. And there are a number of increases that businesses have seen over the course of the last couple of years, most recently in January 2024, really to get us up to this living wage by 2026. I think that is going to put a lot of pressure potentially on smaller businesses as they seek to keep up with a lot of these minimum wage changes. But it is very much seen as part of the government's agenda to have kind of good minimum basic living wage and conditions for all employees across Ireland. Interesting. Yeah, that's definitely something that companies should keep in mind then for 2024. Nolene, what are your predictions for 2024? Are there any employment law updates or changes that you anticipate um, and that will have the biggest impact on HR? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are a number of key changes and a number of different important areas that we'll see over the course of 2024. One thing that we're closely keeping an eye on is a code of practice on the right to request remote and flexible working. So you'll be familiar with this, Kato, because it comes from the Work-Life Balance Directive, but something that, again, we're a little bit behind a number of other jurisdictions such as the UK on. We don't have currently a right to request flexible working or remote working. And so this has been really promised for for a number of years, particularly since the global pandemic. But we are told that in the first quarter of 2024, we're going to see this new code of practice. And that'll be a statutory code that'll set out essentially guidance for employers on how to navigate, consider and properly manage remote and flexible working requests from employees. And I think what we've been saying to many of our clients is in the meantime, they should consider their approach to the provisions of the relevant provisions of the Work-Life Balance Act and just to make sure that they, you know, are, are ahead of any publication of this code of practice and then they can adhere to the code of practice when they receive these requests from employees in the year ahead. The second thing, again, this probably won't be new to you, Kato, but the thing that we're keeping an eye on and that we've seen a marked increase in inquiries from our clients is around pay transparency. Again, that's coming from the EU Pay Transparency Directive that came into force last year, but Ireland has until 2026 to implement it. And I think it sort of goes hand in hand with our gender pay gap reporting legislation in Ireland. And in 2024, the threshold of employers that this applies to has actually dropped down from 250 to 150 employees. So again, a number of employers are now having to comply with mandatory gender pay gap reporting for the first time this year. And hand in hand with that, they are asking questions and looking to become familiar with the quite far reaching measures introduced by the EU Pay Transparency Directive, including things like, you know, bans on pay secrecy and quite robust rights, information rights for existing and prospective employees about pay bans and pay grades. So while there is a long transition period or transposition period for employers for this directive, Really, a number of them are talking to us about getting ahead of this, about doing things like pay transparency audits and equal pay audits, you know, just to make sure that, you know, as I say, they are getting ahead of this before it becomes a legal requirement for them. Another hot topic that we expect to be advising on quite a bit this year are retirement ages. So while under current Irish legislation, it is permissible to impose a mandatory retirement age in your workforce. Without doubt, this is coming under increased scrutiny and pressure. And 
that's in part due to Ireland's ageing population and therefore its ageing workforce, as well as some recent high profile litigation in this area. So it may be that further litigation or government proposals to amend the current legislation around retirement ages might arise in the year ahead. But this is definitely something to watch in this area. And just finally to mention, there is a piece of legislation which is currently draft bill at the moment, which seeks to improve the protection of employees in collective redundancy situations. And that's currently going through the legislative process. And what this bill proposes is to establish an employment law review group, which will in turn advise the minister on certain aspects of employment and redundancy law. In particular, I think it's felt that employees in insolvency situations are particularly, I suppose, vulnerable when it comes to compliance with collective redundancy legislation. And that there was a quite high profile WRC decision which awarded a former employee of a department store here in Ireland, a well-known department store, compensation for the way in which she was made redundant in an insolvency situation. And I think the outcome of that decision is going to have implications not only for a large number of former employees of that same business, but also for informing how businesses that are facing insolvency situations will need to handle collective redundancies going forward. So, as you can hear, there's an awful lot coming down the track in Ireland in 2024 for HR and a lot of new developments I think employers will need to be made aware of. There certainly are. It looks like we'll have uh, much to talk about when we do the same podcast next year. (laughs) Indeed. Nolene, this has been a very interesting discussion and especially helpful for employers in Ireland. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Kato. If you would like to connect with Nolene, please click on her bio in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law or download our app by searching Employment Law Alliance in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Additionally, check out training.ela.law to access our training portal featuring online harassment prevention programs and much more. Information about all the programs available in the Year in Review series and other resources are available on the event landing page at ela.law. You've been listening to Employment Law Year in Review Regional Roundtables, a series brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Kato Arts. Thanks for listening.